These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. Do you want to intro the show? Should I intro the show? Mackie you want me to intro and Judd. No, I was allowing the show to breathe as I was drinking my Folly coffee. You see... The problem is... We're off to a roaring start without Phil. You think of this as a old-school radio show still, like where we come on the mic and we... You know, it's a Friday. I'm letting her breathe a little bit. I'm letting it breathe a little bit because we're among friends here. This is the Score North family. This is not the... Oh. This is not the we got to go, go, go show. Uh-uh. This is Feedback Friday where we take feedback from our friends who are, who are loyal, who mm-hmm. are smart, mm-hmm. who provide... Feedback that sometimes can keep us all, including Phil, who who obviously is off today, back Monday, who can keep us all in a check, and at times can provide feedback that enlightens us. And so, Declan, I wanted to start today's show with the proper amount of breathing room to allow this to just take place organically, because what you have in front of you is several, several comments and feedback, and I believe you're going to start with the twins. I'm going to start with the twins, yes. Uh, plenty of twins feedback. You'd, you'd be uh, shocked to hear this, Judd. Uh, a lot of people claiming we're very negative uh, about the twins, about a first-place ball club, a team that's in first place in the, in the rugged AL Central Division. Uh, so I figured I'd, I would comb through some of the feedback here, and I'd start with this one from Bill. Do you guys have anything positive to say? about a team that's in first place, all you do is complain, you poke holes at Chris Paddock, you poke holes in Falvey and Levine, please give me five things that are positive about the Minnesota Twins. So Judd, Judd, what do you got? Give me five reasons right now to be positive about the 2022 first place May 20th Minnesota Twins. You got it. You got it. In fact, you warned me this was coming. I did warn you. So I sat down, and in I'm going to tell you right now, short order, I came up with five things. Okay. Like, and, and so I might be missing something here. But, I mean, these are five things that jumped right into my brain, and I said, yeah, you know what? All positives. And, by the way, just because you're negative about a first-place team, that means you're challenging that team to be better, to be a championship team. So I'd like to say right now, in some ways, negativity is actually a very good thing because it allows it allows the franchise to look long and hard at itself and say and say what else do we need to do but here are my five things okay. number one well i mean let's just go back to spring training when scott boros the agent for carlos correa and by the way just as an aside royce lewis as well basically offered up his client to the twins one of the best shortstops in the game, if not the best. But one of the best, I mean, there's a lot of good ones, so it's probably debatable. But nonetheless, he basically came to the Twins and serving as what I would almost call a de facto GM for the Twins, which is a great thing, said, here's what I want to do. Three-year contract, outs after years one and two. You know, odds are he won't stick around. But as I said at the time, and I will continue to say, who cares? Yeah. Um, he is a upper echelon player. And I think not just as importantly, but very importantly to Declan, Carlos Correa is a great, as far as I can tell, clubhouse guy with his teammates. Mm-hmm. So like I, I hear him and I, I don't know if it's all genuine or not. And you know what? Who cares really? But I think unlike, let's say, I'm just going to pull a name out of thin air, uh, of a guy that didn't work, Josh Johnson. Yep. Um, I think that the clubhouse chemistry with the Twins appears to be genuine again, which was a very important thing along with the Bomba Squad in 2019 when Nelson Cruz was that guy. So, one, Carlos Correa, huge positive. No downside there. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, to the Donaldson effect, you know, we all all honestly praise the Donaldson sign at the time. Like, oh, my God, you guys just signed one of the best players in baseball, comeback player of the year, uh, former Mm -hmm. MVP, great. But it was clear that Donaldson's personality, and, and I, we did know this too, even though we praise it, can rub people the wrong way, and it clearly did. Clearly rub people the wrong way. Um, yes. And Correa, look, I think it also helps. Correa's younger, so it's easier to gravitate towards a guy who's 27 and not 34. 
Um, and Correa is just an outspoken person, but outspoken with, I think, planned initiatives of what he wants to say and stuff. So I, I don't look at Carlos Correa as a negative player. And and I know he got off to that slow start, but and he went on the IL uh, after May 5th. But in his last 17 games, I mean, the guy is back to who he is. He's hitting 324. He's hitting extra base hits. He's playing gold glove caliber defense. He was the best shortstop in baseball last year. So, yes, I think Carlos Correa, that entire signing, great sign. So that's one. That's one. Positive right there. Look and at you. he asked for five. Mm-hmm. He asked for five. Where else will I go? Oh, my God. Give me I four can't more. Think of oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I can. Number two, Joe Ryan. Joe Ryan. Nelson Cruz was popular. Um, had a very good stint here. Deserves full credit, full points. Uh, had a, for the most part, I think, hugely positive impact on a bunch of guys. But to leverage uh, what Tampa Bay got, which was what, approximately two months or so, two plus, two months of Nelson Cruz uh, for a young pitcher who I think has a good makeup. He definitely has good stuff. He definitely looks to me like a guy who doesn't get rattled. Like he can have bad games, but it doesn't ruin him. Uh, Joe Ryan. This could be a great trade. This could be a fantastic trade. And I'm going to tell you right now, there's a little bit more pep in the Judd step <laughs> when when Jay Ryan is scheduled to start at Target Field. Mm-hmm. So Joe Ryan, huge positive. To me. Yeah, he, he works quickly. Um, you know, I don't know if he's necessarily a true, like, number one staff ace. But, I mean, for God's sakes, the guy doesn't allow a lot of hits. He works quick, gets strikeouts when he can. Um, has that deceiving fastball, right? The one that that it might not look scary to you, but it's deceptive, and and it's it. He's he's a good pitcher, and yeah, they got that from the Tampa Rays, who are known for just pushing out ton of good pitching prospects and ba- usually bailing on them earlier um, than they should. And Joe Ryan, I mean, front front of the line guy, and and right now, if you can even pair another legitimate ace with him, another legitimate top line pitcher, I should say. Well, you got a formable one too if you were to go into the postseason, which the Twins are because they're in first place in the AL Central. And the thing that I like about uh, Joe is that he, at his age, is a pitcher. Yep. Like, he's not gassing guys. Like, he's not like, oh, my God, that's great stuff. But Joe Ryan is a pitcher. The makeup mentally and physically, I think, is right. So that's two. Boy. Got three. Got three more. Can I get to? Yeah, got a few can more. I get to, can I get to three? Can mm-hmm. I get to three? Mm-hmm. Number three. Mm-hmm. Number three. Royce Lewis's debut. Um, there was a lot of question about him. There was, you know, he hadn't played for essentially two years, which is incredible. I mean, for him to play the way he played after not playing for two years, uh, 2020, I think he he was in the extended camp in in St. Paul, but they didn't really play true games because there wasn't a minor league season last year, torn ACL, I believe for him to then come back here, Dex, and this quickly, and then step in here and play like he did, it's why I was disappointed they sent him down. In my opinion, he was a important person in the clubhouse. There is no question he was helping them at the plate and, and helping them to win games. Royce Lewis, like you found out, you got a glimpse of a kid. And much like with Ryan, here's the thing about him, personally, I think. I think the makeup is great. Yep. Like I watch him and I don't see a flash in the pan. And look, you know what? Sano came up in 15 and fooled me too. So I'm assuring nothing here. But when I watched him play in the poise and how he carried himself and how he approached people, uh, that didn't look to me like a guy who, who was like, who was hot, but might cool off. And oh my God, it's going to go sideways. Um Royce Lewis's debut screams to me that the Twins made the right pick in picking him. Hunter Green can throw hard and could be a very good pitcher. But if you have found your shortstop for the next 8 to 10 years, that's fantastic. Royce Lewis, number three. Yeah, he's he's been phenomenal. He was damn near perfect, too, by the way, uh, in his debut back in St. Paul with the St. Paul Saints uh, after he was optioned down. So. Okay. Still looking good. Still looking good in St. Paul. And uh, and for the fact that guy did not play baseball for the last few years. And yeah, I mean, everyone was kind of worried. I remember going into that draft. I actually covered that draft. 
Um, is it going to be Hunter Green, who was called the LeBron James of baseball coming out of high school? Was this going to be this flamethrowing prospect? And look, now he's up with the Reds, and God bless him. I mean, you're going to need way more than help for Hunter Green to last in Cincinnati for how bad since the Reds are going to be looking for the next few years. But at the same time, if Royce Lewis, if Royce Lewis is Carlos Correa, that's a win, right? If Car- if, if he's even a half step down from Carlos Correa, that's oh, still God, a, yeah. that's a win. So oh, yes, and finding these shortstop prospects, I mean, it's hard. So many guys are drafted as shortstops that get moved. Miguel Sano being an example, right? <clears throat> Michael Kadire uh, was drafted yep. as a shortstop. Trevor Plouffe was drafted as a shortstop. It's hard to be pro- to be projected as a shortstop and stick there as a stud. And I think he has the makeup, too, to, to be a very good shortstop for years to come. So that's three right there. That's three. Give me two. Two more. I don't know if I have. Oh, yeah, I do. Number okay. four. Number four. Number four. There's no question here when Byron Buxton plays. When Byron Buxton plays, Byron Buxton has the ability to change games. It used to be his speed and defense. And look, his play in the outfield remains elite. But Byron Buxton, and this is why I want him to pinch hit a week ago Saturday. Byron Buxton can change a game with one swing of the bat now. Byron Buxton has power. Byron Buxton has confidence. Byron Buxton's approach is great. When Byron Buxton plays, he is one of the best players, in my opinion, in the big leagues. In the big leagues. And so that's four. Byron Buxton is a, if we had to run through a list of guys that you would pay um, to go see on the Twins, Byron Buxton, assuming he's playing, is probably one and two, right? Yeah, I mean, as a uh, season ticket holder of the Minnesota Twins, Correa's signing is what pushed me over the top to go do it. Um, just because he's one of the best shortstops in baseball. And I thought, oh, all right, after being very soured on the team in 2021, rightfully so, I thought this could be an exciting time. And Byron Buxton, when he's in the field, I've seen him for the last five years. I've watched him in person now for a good amount of time when he's been able to be on the field. You put those two together, and I thought that'd be worth the price of admission. And yes, when he is healthy and when he is playing baseball, he is a top five impact player. Maybe Mm -hmm. Shohei Otani, Mike Trout, um, there aren't many other guys in baseball that can do what he does when he is fully healthy. There aren't. He's a treat to watch. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And number five, number five, I believe I'm pronouncing his name right now, Juan Duran. Yes. The reliever. Uh-huh. When you can throw 103 miles an hour and the team name on the front of your jersey is Twins, that's pretty damn impressive because we have not seen a power arm like that forever um I haven't had one watching him literally blow away opposing hitters is great fun his stuff is great fun and he is 1000 percent in my opinion if he's not there yet he is very very close to being the guy who you can bring in when you need an out when you got to get an and i don't know that could be a save situation in the ninth it could be in the seventh inning, but when you need to get an out, and previously you'd say, okay, what, what, what do we got out there? We got Duffy out there, and we got uh, Stashek out there, and, you know, and, oh, man, who else do we got out there? Who else can get an out? Who else is a crafty pitcher? You know what? I love Joe Ryan because he's a pitcher, but there are times out of the bullpen when you want a guy who just comes in and overpowers hitters. Duran does that. So, anyway, so those are my five things. I Look. I think people confuse negativity with holding this team to a standard. Um, I think they've got potential. I just want them to maximize that potential for 22. I don't like this whole baseball thing. Like if you don't want, if you don't care about this year, just sort of tell me, like, just say, you know what? We really don't think it's in the cards. So we really don't care. So we got Chris Paddock. We did it for 23 and 24. We don't really care about this year, but, Last Sunday, Byron Buxton was still talking about the goal, a World Series, okay? So if the goal is a World Series, you need to be held to a standard of achieving that. Um, it's very clear that this franchise in baseball ops has people that don't know how to get there yet. That doesn't mean they can't be successful. So they've done a lot of good things, but they are being held accountable on things that are going to end a playoff losing streak that's 18 games, the longest in major sports in I should say the major sports for what hockey, basketball, football, and baseball men's 
that we follow in North America. So don't confuse don't confuse holding the team to a standard with like I hate the team. I don't hate the team. I want the team to win. You've got a twenty game ticket package. Mm-hmm. So five things not hard to find at all for me. I'll give you a bonus one. How about this? I'll give you I'll give you one extra one on top of yours. The Twins' new battery mates of Gary Sanchez, and I know Ryan Jeffers has been here, but the new battery tandem that they have right now has been great. Gary Sanchez is on an absolute heater the last week. I mean, he's destroying baseballs, and this was a guy who was an MVP candidate with the New York Yankees not too long ago. And um, and I know his defensive warts have somewhat been an issue. You know, he's led the league in pass balls a couple times from behind the dish. But so far, he's been, I think, all right um, defensively too. But he, he, he has some pop. And to be honest, all I care about with my catching tandems, because honestly, catchers just don't really play. They really honestly split it about 55-45 these days. It's 60-40 a split because just no one really can catch over 120, 130 games today in baseball anymore. But if you can give me catchers with good pop and a catcher that can get on base and call a good game, if I can get those out of both my catchers, and the the Twins are getting that out of both Gary Sanchez and Ryan Jeffers, I like that a lot. So also, I'll, I'll give you one more positive there. And Ryan Jeffers and Gary Sanchez have been very good behind the dish for the Twins, at the plate and behind the plate. So it, it strikes me now in in watching Sanchez play a lot that he is an incredibly streaky player, but w- when he uh, gets hot, he's really, really hot. Mm-hmm. The other thing that I think is important, and this is where I think the Twins made a good decision in taking him and keeping him, I think he got overwhelmed the second that he didn't have success in New York, which once you don't have success, they are down on you and it's hard to get out. Yep. I think he took it personally and and the tabloids all came after him, right? So I think getting him out of pinstripes in here, it was absolutely huge. Now, I don't know if that contributed to his catching problems. Um, I, I did see, I think it was the last homestand, he had a terrible pass ball. But that being said, I think he's going to be a different player here because when he does go through a cold stretch, no one's going to say, oh, my God, you're terrible, you suck. But, yeah, he is he is a player who, as far as when he gets hot, can certainly be can certainly play a role, is probably the fairest way to put this, in carrying you. Because, right. I mean, he was great in this. Now, in fairness, the A's do stink, but he was great in the three games there, so. I believe he's slugging somewhere like near 800 in the last week. He's just been on fire. Uh, More Twins feedback here. David on the YouTube comment section says, Declan, at this point, your hatred towards Gio Urshela's walk-up song has made you think he's a bad player. He's a plus defender at third. And while he was a low batting average guy right now, he has a plus bat as well. I would be totally fine with playing Royce at third over him. And I definitely hate sending him down. But saying he's, quote, a third baseman that can't play third is way overboard. Uh, maybe a little bit of an overreaction by me. He's a solid third baseman. And, and look, I made, I made that prediction on Gio Rochelle at the tri- and I'll write that down a few weeks ago just because I think at the end of the day, I want to see Royce Lewis more than I want to see Gio. And by the way, Urshel is a nice veteran player that can, yeah, play third base, base play shortstop, play second base. He He's a solid utility player, um, and teams can always use that come playoff time. But push comes to shove, I want Royce Lewis in the lineup more than I want to see Gio Urshel when we get more towards the meat of this schedule into the dog days of summer. If Royce Lewis is who he is, I want to see him in the lineup more than I want to see Gio Urshel. David's right though. You do hate you your hatred for a guy who has a Christian walk-up song is unbelievable. Now you did say on yesterday's show, I think, you did say something about his third base play that was disparaging. And that's been good. But as far as at the plate, he's inconsistent for sure. He's inconsistent for sure. And I'm with you. Royce Lewis belongs here until he proves he doesn't and if the decision to me were Urshela or or Royce who I who by the way athletically I think I think would be fine at third Mm -hmm. like I don't think he'd get there and be like I I can't feel the ground ball here I can't um so I agree with your assessment there but Urshela at third makes some really nice plays too so Mm-hmm. He does deserve credit for that. And and yeah, lay, lay off on his walk-up song, no. man. I mean, come on. To, no. to each his own. No. To each his own. No. 
I will not lay off that walk-up song. I can't do it. I know you won't. I know. It's an incredible. A uh, couple comments here from Royce Lewis. Let's start with this one from Mark. Mark says, Royce Lewis shouldn't have been the player to be sent down. Derek Falvey and Rocco need to place their highest value on their best hitters. Scoring runs should be the highest priority. Royce Lewis can play positions other than shortstop with the Twins. He doesn't need to be sent down to learn other positions or to improve his play at shortstop. Well, I, I will say even even for me who wanted him to stay here, I mean, he does still have to play shortstop every day. And and I, I like him at short a lot. So get him some time at short if that's what you're going to do at St. Paul. But to his point, if he's going to be up here, he can play third base. When Manny Machado was coming up through the Orioles system, he was coming up as a stud shortstop, right? But guess what? They had J.J. Hardy, a very good defensive shortstop, a gold glove winning shortstop that the yeah. Twins gave away for a bag of chips. That's a story yeah, for another Hardy, day. I would have moved him. Yep. But they put Machado at third base because they had a great yeah. shortstop in J.J. Hardy. I, I think you can yeah. do a similar situation with Royce Lewis that, yes, um, you should be putting your value towards your best hitters, and that's where, again, to my point where I'd rather see Royce Lewis every day than Gio Urshela, even if Urshela is a plus third baseman right now over Royce Lewis. So I've been giving this a ton of thought because I'm old and boring. And so, like, I've been sitting on my couch thinking about this a ton, okay? So I guess here's my question. And and the Twins aren't going to tell us. But here's my question. and try Because, like, this has gone from a hot take to a philosophical Judd thought process. So I'm going to ask you a question. And I'm curious what the response is for, from you and, and, of course, the smart people out there. Um, the Twins eventually, not right now, are going to play good teams again. Because let's be honest, Oakland sucks. Yep. Kansas City sucks. Mm-hmm. You lost to Baltimore, but they also suck. But eventually you're going to play some good teams again. And in my opinion, you have to give your best you have to give yourself the best chance possible to win games against good teams. It matters. Um, so are they, if Royce Lewis can help you, and by the way, we'd have to find out, but if Royce Lewis can help you um, and they start to play good teams at some point again, and they, they were, keep in mind, swept by the Astros here a couple weeks ago or last week, um, are they going to recall him then and put him at third base? Because, you know, let's just say they think, maybe correctly so, that Royce Lewis has a better chance of succeeding against a good pitcher, good pitching, than Geo does. And if that's the case, like how much more shortstop time are you going to get him in St. Paul? Like, are you committed? I, I feel like this. I feel like if you are serious about, okay, he has to go play shortstop. Like, he has to be ready for... Uh, Correa is going to be gone, Declan. And in 2023, Royce Lewis is going to play shortstop for us. And he has to be prepared to play there and and be as elite as possible. Then you got to leave him down for a long time. Mm -hmm. But if you're going to yank him back up here the second that you, again, play good teams and are like, okay, at least he might give us a chance, then what's the point? Like, oh, well, he got 20 more games of shortstop in St. Paul. Um, So I get... I would challenge the Twins, and this is where it's not negative, it's questioning. I would challenge the Twins' thought process at times on what they're accomplishing versus what they think they're accomplishing. Now, because if you tell me Royce Lewis is not coming back, he's going to play shortstop, we're going to work with him, we saw things in the footwork that you did not see, they're bad, Um, he is an everyday shortstop for the St. Paul Saints for the remainder of 22 Ergo, the reality is we don't care about 22 as much as you think, which I would like to know. You're a a 20-game ticket package guy. You would like to know that. Um, That's where I need some more forthcoming answers. But if you say, we're just going to yank him back up here the second things go wrong because he might be really damn good, then my question is, then what are you doing? The next 14 games the Twins are against the Tigers and Royals. Again, the Tigers and Royals over their next 14 games. So you got to win nine, if not 10 of those games, at least, because it's baseball, it's random, you're going to lose some of those games. But after that, starting June 3rd, three in Toronto, which the Twins never play well in Toronto, home for three against the New York Yankees, and uh, nothing needs to be said any more than that, and then they're also home for three against Tampa Bay. So Toronto, New York, Tampa. You're going to go through three teams in the AL East that are certainly more competitive. The Yankees, who are the best team in baseball right now and and are a very good team. So uh, 
if you don't make hay against these bad teams, then you're going to see, and we're in general just going to see the true test of this team once they get the Blue Jays and the Yankees and Tampa Bay. Um, they got interleague against Arizona after that. So in June, it's going to heat thing. Things are going to heat up, and we'll probably know who the real Minnesota Twins are when they play those good teams, which I think that's is probably important. true. But what do you think the sweet spot is? Because I mean, if if you're going to start to scuffle against those teams and say Royce was playing really well, he potentially can hit. Um, and look, he, he did take advantage himself of some bad teams. But if you're going to yank him back up here in June, then I say it's a waste of time to have, have him go play shortstop for two weeks in St. Paul. Now, if you say, no, he's gone, he ain't coming back, he ain't coming back, I don't agree with that, but at least it's a stance of what you're doing. Right. Yeah, I, I wouldn't mind him playing down against those, playing in AAA against, well, against it when, when the Twins are playing Detroit and Kansas City. Um, I would like his bat in the lineup, though, when they're playing Toronto and New York and Tampa Bay. That's when I would like him up here. So, But, but then I just here. don't think it's a good use of, of his time to be down there. I would rather work with him in pregame at shortstop up here. Because if he's going to play shortstop, we're talking about months of playing shortstop, not weeks. Like an, a, an extra two weeks, Dex, is not going to be like, Royce Lewis turned into a platinum gold glove shortstop during those extra two weeks he got in St. Paul. Again, what the Twins do in theory, I think, for them, sometimes runs contradictory to what the what the common sense best thing to do is. A couple more Twins uh, feedback questions here. Jane wants to know, Sano needs to go. Don't miss him at all over the underperformers, or out of his overpaid underperformance, and I don't miss his strikeouts. What do you do with Miguel Sano when he comes back, Judd? I mean, I know he's on the 60-day IL. He's not coming back for at the very least, multiple weeks. What, what does this team do with Miguel Sano going forward? I, well, really, 60 I don't day, know. 60 days on the IL, uh, um, as lengthy of rehab assignment as the uh, uh, CBA allows. And then, uh, I mean, I don't know. At this point in time, if things are going really well, I probably, well, I don't think that you can trade him. I might DFA him. Um, here's the thing that we have found, and, and this is going to be the problem. The, the home runs are fun. And look, if he comes back, he'll hit a few home runs. But do you know what he does, Declan? In fact, I got a term that I don't think is used commonly in baseball. Uh, he is a lineup stopper. He halts the lineup. Because what does a guy like Arise, who's currently playing first base, do right now, Dex? He keeps it going, right? Mm -hmm. He keeps it going. Often gets hits, often gets on base. But the key is he keeps it going. I feel like Snow has become, um, uh, he's basically become the, the the thing that plugs up a drain, right? Clogs, he's so a the water's, drain clogger. Yeah, he's a drain clogger because yeah. the water's going down. I mean, there's nothing more frustrating, right? Than when the shower gets clogged, because oh, you'll love worst. to see the water going down, right? And then you got to fish it out, and no. you got to start again. You got to start again. Miguel Sano is a far too often drain clogger, and I think this team, as a whole, is far better off when it's moving. I like that. So I'm done with him. Like I just, it just, it's not worth the majestic home runs that you occasionally get um, to see. It's not just the strikeouts. It's what the strikeouts do. The strikeouts do nothing. They don't move things. I, I want these guys to be moving. Last one here before we transition. Uh, Michael says, this is definitely a fair discussion on whether it's the right move to send him down, talking about Royce Lewis. But you're also being a bit too critical of this front office overall. Had they made mistakes? Yes. Had they won a lot of games, signed the number one free agent, locked up a homegrown star? Also, Yes. Do they get a chance to learn from their mistakes, Judd? How would you how would you frame that up? And and how would what would Falvey and Levine have to do to learn from their mistakes? Because also, like, let's be honest, that Chris Paddock trade stinks. I, and if I see one more person spin it into me in a positive light, like seriously, go kick rocks. I don't know what the hell you're talking about. I really don't know what you're talking about to defend that trade. They traded away Lamont Wade Jr. Late night Lamont, um, our, our 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 guy Jake Depew's guy. Okay, they they've made some boneheaded decisions. They were too afraid to trade for a pitcher. But to his point, yes, they've signed Carlos Correa. They locked up Byron Buxton. For well, the most part, they've played above 500 baseball during their tenure here. But what do yeah. they have to do to learn from those other mistakes that I led with? What do they got to do? Uh, first of all, they, they have to become more flexible in their beliefs. 
Um, the advanced metrics can drive things, but they can't dictate things all the time. Uh, and and look, their handling of starting pitching in playoff games is awful. It's a complete disaster. It's it's as bad as some of the worst managers have been, old school guys who also stunk at that. Just it's different, but it's the same because it results in missteps. Um, let's be careful on Correa. Scott Boris signed him. Scott Boris called them up and said, here's what we're going to do. And the twins said, okay, sounds good. Okay. Uh, the, Do- the Donaldson one. Yeah. You know what? On board didn't work worth a, worth a shot. Um, but you know, until they start to show that they have the flexibility to adjust, which they have not done at times yet, the Lewis thing sends a terrible message and it's not the optics of that are, that is sent to the fan base that's bad too but the message is to the clubhouse you basically just told your players we are going to demote one of the hottest players on this team because of the future how do you feel i i mean dex you you've been around practices locker rooms in all sports enough to know that if you are covering a player that guy gives zero dams about the next year. Mm-hmm. Now, um, uh, Tankum Judd does. Tankum Judd loves that. But, you know, when you're covering players, you, you know, Byron Buxton is talking about a World Series. And he might be totally crazy, but in his mind, he believes it. And when Royce Lewis gets sent down, that says the front office does not believe in you. Uh, Carlos Correa, as The Athletic reported, went and talked to Rocco to, I think, get answers for the rest of the team. To, like, try and say, here's what's going on, because it makes no sense. So, um, as you said a couple of of days ago, and I believe this to be true, Falvey and Levine are very smart. But there is a certain amount of people skills badly lacking. And people skills, ultimately, when you are trying to get players on the same page, become very important. Yeah. So so that needs to develop. That needs to, to change. But they also, when they get to the playoffs, they seriously need to change their thinking. Mm-hmm. When Barrios is through five and his lights out, you cannot go to him and say, dude, this is how we've done it all year. Like, like I mean, what drives smart people crazy? This is how we always do it. Yeah. Smart people are always like, what, are you, what the bleep are you talking about? So, like, there is... The front office has done good things, but that does not mean that they are always right. And I think it's very easy to articulate and to ha- cite examples of things that this front office struggles with. The best thing you can do with analytics is blend it with the eye test. So when Jose Barrios is shoving in that playoff game, and he still has a lower pitch count too, by the way, um, and the analytics say, well, a third time to the order, he's worse. Okay. Yes, that's a fact. Everyone knows that. Like that, That's always been a thing. It's just we didn't really have the information to really prove it, and we aren't ever really looking there. But when you're watching a guy shove like that, and he comes off the mound looking at his dugout like, you love this? You like basically pulling his Kirk Cousins moment? You like that? And then for Rocco to literally sit him down say, we're going with Cody Stashek because it's the third time to the order, and this Astros lamp's going to hit you, and then Cody Stashek bleeps down his leg. Like, dude. Your analytics then bit you in the ass in that decision. That's where you have to marry both. You have to marry that human element with those analytics, and you're going to get the best result possible. But here's what I don't get about that move, okay? So, so like, if you had, at that time, if Durand could have come in, okay? I don't like the Brios move then, and I still think it's a mistake, but you got a guy coming in who can shove. Sure. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So then I'm a little bit more like because the, then at least I'm a little bit more like, oh, OK, OK, I don't like it. But OK, but yeah. you just said it. You just put Cody Stashek in. Yeah. Like what what sane minded person says this should work. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what I don't understand. But but so my question is this. Where's the common sense there? Mm-hmm. Where's the where where do you where's the valve in your brain that says, OK, the advanced metrics say that this makes sense. But I'm looking at Cody Stashek or like Randy Dobnik starting in Yankee Stadium. Like what sane individual says this is going to work? This is what I don't get. This is what I don't understand. And in the playoffs, one little screw up can cost you a game in a series. Like that was a best two or three. 
So this is where I this is where I believe that you can say beyond a shadow of a doubt, and yes, this is right, I'm going to question authority. I know that 2022 doesn't like to do that. Don't question people. Don't question the adults. But what sane person says this is going to work? Right. All right, Feedback Friday. Keep it moving here. With Phil Mackey away and the hockey whisperer dead, buried, and gone, it's Judd's oh, Hockey Show yeah. on Part 2. It's Judd's Hockey Show Part 2 of Mackey and Judd. So oh, I Judd's figured, Hockey Show? I figured, Judd, I would go through the YouTube comment section from our autopsy we did on the Minnesota Wild a few days ago and pull some of those comments because there's some great talking points still off that episode that I'd love to bring out. Uh, let's start this one from Mr. Rocky, who says, I believe the next three years of Wild Hockey will be pretty ugly. The Parisian Suter buyout hits has their hands tied so badly that it will be nearly impossible to improve the roster. Point blank, Judd. Black and white here. Are the next three years of wild hockey going to be ugly? Are they going to be bad? Okay. Okay, I'm going to give you a bit of an open-ended response here because I don't want to assure that. So, like, I'm not going to sit here and be like, takes exposed here in a couple months? They're going to be terrible. Well, I just don't (laughs) think it's fair. I don't think it's fair. Um, but let me tell you right now, I believe that the wild is positioned for that time period to not be great. They're, they're not going to say that publicly. Don't blame them one bit. But, you know, Dex, let's put the pieces of the puzzle together here, okay? The wild, to their credit, it didn't work. It blew up. It sucks. But the wild made moves that, that at least took a step to pursue a championship. Mm-hmm. this season right mm-hmm. um they don't have that ability almost certainly the next three years uh it hurts next year a lot it gets worse the two years after that um let's just say i think that in somebody's drawer in the in in the drawer of somebody who works in saint paul i think there is a potential plan where the next few years might yield some high draft picks um i'm not saying that's plan a but I am saying I think there's a there's a realization because look, the Wild is not uh, champing at the bit to trade your guy Fiala. It's not like they're like we want to trade him so bad we hate him. Okay, disappointing playoff, no question about it. But he needs to be traded because they can't afford him. Right, they can't afford him. But yes, um, that comment I think hardcore Wild fan will say that comment's stupid. It's not stupid. Hopefully it doesn't come to pass, but Declan, my opinion at least, is there is a potential that if things don't if things don't break right, um, that this year will be this year will be the most enjoyable regular season for a while. Your thoughts? Uh, I think they can still be a competitive team. I don't know if they can get 114 points again. Um, yeah, they can't. I just don't. I'm going to tell you right now. I don't think. They can. I don't think they will. Can they be competitive? Can they flirt for the wild card? Can they be in the playoff picture? Yes, they should be able to be in the playoff picture. Uh, but look, man, it's going to be tough. tough. You're, you only have uh, $69 million nice in effective cap space for next season. Uh, yep. the, the other thing that they can't get into the habit of doing, and, and they I don't believe they will do this, but um, you know they have picks in every round of the draft this year, except for round seven. They have their first two picks in the 2023 draft. They have all their picks in the 2024 draft. They're going to be in a position where they have to hit on those first round picks because it's going to be cost-effective players. It's going to be using Matthew Boldy. It's going to be using Marco Rossi. Um, it's going to have to find good, effective players with low cap hits um, because yes. they, they, literally, they literally can't build out a roster because 14 right. and 15, 16% of their salary cap is tied up in buyouts. So can they remain competitive? Yes. Will it be ugly? I don't think so. I I, I don't think so. It's potential. I would agree with that. Yes. I would agree with that. Now, do you, um, I, I do think the Fiala trade, that they're pretty confident that they can get a nice haul back, which could be a high first round pick in this July's draft. So, and here's why, so here's why though, I think it gets dicey. This team has proven they don't like to, and it's probably smart rush guys. Um, and so they'd like to develop guys, which is absolutely fine. I sort of like that, but that means that they slow cook them a bit. So they're not going to, I don't think that they're going to rush their, their draft picks from this draft into the lineup opening night next season. Mm-hmm. Here's a second question off that though, because it's a topic that you like to talk about. And I think have been right about lots of times. 
What are we talking about also from a season that was a lot of fun and really good as far as regression goes? And I'm talking about Hartman, mm-hmm. Goudreau, mm-hmm. goal scoring wise, probably Felino. Like, like how much do do we have to brace for the regression of certain players? who very likely had career years. And I don't think that you can go into the next year counting on the same production from said players. Yep. Regression's inevitable with a lot of those players. Hartman and Felino being probably one and two. Um, no, Zuccarello's a year older, but I still think if he's playing with Kirill, he should still be an effective player. I don't know if I have another career season like he did, but he still should be that 50 to 60 point distributing, facilitating forward that he's always been. Um, but you're right, that regression's going to hit this team like a ton of bricks. It will. Um, can that regression still level out and still be uh, still still kind of Frankenstein itself into being a competitive team? Is I think the the, the bigger question there. So it's I an interesting spot. Playoff, I think they're a playoff bubble team at best next year. Uh, Dennis, because that conference is tough. It is. Dude. The West is awful, or uh, uh, gauntlet. It's it's uh, hard to get in through. Uh, Dennis says bringing Flurry back as the number one might make next year unwatchable. Billy G's pretty, Billy G's petty favoritism was shown unacceptable for me. Dennis not buying what Bill Guerin uh, has been selling so far. Kind of a hot take from Dennis. I've loved what Bill Guerin's been doing, and if they want to bring back Flurry, I I'm fine with that. He's not he's not a Vesna winner anymore, but I'm fine. Like. Is he an average goaltender that can that can bridge a gap? Yeah, absolutely. I'd bring him back. How do I feel about this? Okay, so first of all, they went all in with a guy who on Judd's Hockey Show, we said several times, do it. Make the trade. They did. Um, did Marc-Andre Fleury take a step towards helping them win the series against the Blues? Absolutely not. And they rode with him, and I get it. Do I think if you went back and, and reworked this and Cam Talbot started game one, do I think that this thing goes six, seven games and the Wild wins it? No, I absolutely don't. So I'm going to defend Bill here and say this. It certainly didn't work as planned, but I don't think that Cam Talbot, especially if they don't make that trade, because remember, until the trade, Talbot was scuffling again. Talbot was not playing well. So it didn't work. There's a lot of other things personally that frustrate me about the the first round loss to the Blues beyond goaltending. Yeah, they didn't lose to the goaltending. They lost because of special teams. They lost because Kevin Fiala was was well a ghost. And, and don't and and let don't discount coaching. Um, Craig Berube continues in St. Louis to push all the right mm-hmm. buttons to change things on a moment's notice to do things to help his team win. And as much as good as a coach as he was during the season, Dean Everson was, if you did analytics on coaches, he was a minus coach in the playoffs. He did nothing till it was too late. Mm-hmm. He did nothing until it was too late. A little bit of positivity here, though, in the in the comment section on the wild feedback. Uh, Vasker says we've got Tyson Jost, and he is for, he for sure will be the replacement for Fiala, and I believe it'll be a good one because the fourth line is the wrong place for him. And then Django uh, follows up in our YouTube comment section and says Boldy Rossi Jost would make a great line. I I bring back Tyson Jost, man. I and I and I elevate Jost him. I I I elevate him on that fourth line. Winger? I think well. Yeah, I mean, if it's with Rossi, then yes, he'd be a winger. Um, he's probably better served to be a winger. But yes, I would. I love that idea, Boldy Rossi Jost. We love line combination on this show. I really like that idea. All right, here's my first thing. I am giving Rossi on day one an opportunity to play with Kirill. Ryan Hartman. I don't see it, man. I don't see it. Regression's going to hit, and he's a great story, and and he has a place on this team. But his salary is far more commiserate with the player that he's ordinarily going to be. Marco Rossi spent the entire year, essentially, in the American Hockey League. And that's great. That's fine. But I give him a chance. He's got the skills. Let's find out. Let's find out. Um, I just I found it. So on Jost, the one thing that I find intriguing about that is Russo continues to, in, in his stories, sort of float Jost as a possible trade ship of some sort. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering, and I'm not reporting this, and I'm not saying I like it. I'm just saying, okay, Greeny. all right, Mike. Mike usually Mike usually doesn't float things without knowledge behind the scenes. Correct. Like like he presents them as his own, but he's talked to people and sort of has a feeling and or. Has 
flat out been told as a possibility. I'm curious what the future holds for Tyson Jones. Educated speculation that uh, our friend of the show, Michael Russo, likes to educated speculation. We, yeah, it's uh, very good. And it's no problem. Look, I... Reckless speculation. A lot of the times, our, our reckless speculation does come from an educated spot. Yep, I'm just saying, he doesn't usually make up things like, let's say, we do at times. So the Tyson Jones being floated around as a chip to clear cap room intrigues me a little bit. Uh, I believe it's... Evangelist, Evangelist, A V E N, and yeah, that one. No, yeah, no, that no. one. Whatever you said. Okay. Anyway, he says if the Wild weren't in salary cap hell, Ryan Hartman would be an obvious trade piece. I agree with this actually. If the Wild weren't in cap hell, I would capitalize on that trade. He's so cost Ooh. effective. I don't think I would move him. But if 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 there was a piece uh, I could I, I could you. move if they weren't in cap hell, I wouldn't be opposed to it. I like what he's thinking so, there. So you would trade him in that scenario mm-hmm. to like to, to capitalize on, on the fact that in your mind easily again to go back to the word regression is coming easily you know yeah, i could see that 100 interesting 100 interesting i do think he could be a very good third line center I've, this isn't justin i forget who said this but he but he wants to point out a judd comment here he says judd now you're talking I'm totally against re-signing Nick Delorier, who is an example of sacrificing skill for a presence. I said Delorier is a goon from day one, which you disagreed with, and now I hear Declan calling Delorier a goon. Part of the buyout was culture. Best part of it was the vision of a faster and more skilled team. Delorier doesn't fit that vision, and he brought nothing to the playoffs. I will agree on the last part. He brought nothing to the postseason. Brought nothing. I I hesitate to call a guy a goon. I mean, you've got to be... In today's league, a true goon? I don't know about that. But, um, yeah, I, I mean, he didn't – He his presence keeps opposing teams a little bit more honest probably. Yeah. But, yeah, that playoff call is right. And, look, I just – I loved it when I felt like the Wild had four lines that could really skate. I really liked that. And so they they've certainly have guys that are teetering on being either – with the big club or Iowa, they have guys that have that speed. So it just intrigues me when your fourth line can really come in and buzz, right? Yes. Just buzz the net, buzz, buzz the zone, four check hard, four check hard, but off a of speed as opposed to trying to, to use your weight. I, I don't know. This is tough because I get why they made that trade. I think he was a great guy in, in the room. I think Nick did a, a great job there, but um, I hesitate to use the word goon. The word goon is a nasty word in today's league. Reckless speculation. Some reckless speculation here from Justin. He says, trade Matt Zuccarello and Cam Talbot. If we can Thanks add a few Zuccarello. seconds, at least one of those guys is going to pan out uh, well by the time the buyout's finished. Yeah, Matt's has a full no-move clause, and I, I really yeah. don't. Un- he's, I, going nowhere. he's not going anywhere. Trading Talbot's an option. For sure enough. Yeah. I still think Talbot gets dealt. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think there's a very good chance. I think there's a very good chance. I think if Flurry, I think if Flurry comes back, Talbot's gone. And I think Flurry, I think the Wild, Bill g- genuinely loves him. So I think the Wild wants Flower back. I think the Flower is going to probably ask the Wild to wait, and he's going to suss out Pittsburgh. Because I think if he can go back to Pittsburgh, it, it would mean so much that he would probably do that. But if the Penguins are like, ah, dude, we're good, which they very well might say, then I think he comes back here. And if he comes back here, I think Cam is gone. Um, Look, the stuff with Talbot's wife, it's going to be dismissed publicly. It can't be dismissed totally. It can't be. That's the way people felt privately. And and she put it out there, by the way, thank you. But um, the team and Cam, I'm sure, couldn't stand that. But the reality is this. The decision to go with Flower for the first five games um, was a vote of no confidence in a guy who plays a position at which you need confidence. So I think if Flower comes back, I think Cam's gone. Matt Zagarello has a full no move, but more importantly, Declan, Kirill Kaprizov loves him. And the last thing I'm going to do is trade a guy Kirill loves. So uh, two years back... Two years back, I would I said that contract to Matt's was stupid. They shouldn't have done it. A no move clause. I believe Fenton paid him a million more than the next 
or he he gave him yeah. an extra year than the next team that was trying to get him. The point being, though, Kirill Kaprizov loving Mats to me means Mats is staying, and I ain't going to complain about that. I agree. Uh, last one here. Alex from Russia says, The Wild is a modern-day Frankenstein. This team will never win anything despite the best efforts of Bill Guerin, who turned out to be a solid professional. What do you think about the Wild being a modern-day Frankenstein, Judd? I don't think they're a modern-day Frankenstein. From Russia? Is that what you said? Uh, Alex from Russia. Uh, our run of our Russian, our loyal Russian listeners. Alex, you're Kirill. awesome. Thank you. Yeah, thank, thank you, you Alex. very much. Oh, Kirill is fantastic. Thank you very much. Um, I hope he's safe and sound there. Hope he is, too. Uh, as far as that goes, Frankenstein? I don't know about that. Um, it, it's an interesting... I get what he's saying, and it's an interesting thought process. Um, I wouldn't go that far, but I get the frustration. I get the frustration. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't... I still think this... How can I put this? I still think there are elements here that are 1,000% on the right track um i'm still trying to conversely get over my disappointment of the playoff and here's what really upsets me dex the more i watch the playoffs you you know game one abs and blues right abs win and everyone's like oh this series is done and then the blues make adjustments and they come back and they're so gritty and so tough and so mentally strong and bennington standing on his head for the first two games and the blues come back and win in colorado and I think to myself, I really got fooled again. I'm an idiot. I really thought that the Wild was far more on par with this this time than previously. So I'm still trying to recover from that uh, because it's just so disappointing to watch this next round and understand that the teams, and it's not just talent, because the nice thing now is with Kaprizov, this team definitely has some really, really nice talent. It's more so how they're wired. They've got centers. So I wouldn't call him a Frankenstein, but I get the disappointment. Totally. You? I wouldn't call him a Frankenstein, no. You should be disappointed by how this season finished and whatnot for sure. I, Frankenstein's like piecemealing together a monster. Um, it's more like Vikings, right? Like yeah. Kirk, was the, Kirk was the Frankenstein experiment for the Vikings. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't call him a Frankenstein by any means. But yes, be disappointed. And I, this, this offseason is going to be very interesting. I don't think it'll be as hot and as, uh, as crazy as other ones. But it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. I will say this. I do think that if you think the Wild is going to come back and uh, repeat their regular season success of 2021-22 in 2022-23, you might want to tamp down those expectations because I just don't see that one. I don't see that one. I think that they are, at best, a fringe playoff team. Agreed. Be back Friday. That wraps things up for us on this end. Yeah, this has been uh, fun. Phil's back on Monday. We've got um, we got plenty, plenty more though. We're in fact we're going to uh, be doing a four question Friday on Purple Daily today, and then of course we'll have more feedback from you on the Purple Daily reads the comments on Saturday. Talk to you later.